podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Hello, this is Kent. Hey, uh, true crime Kent, how's it, uh, how's it hanging? Why do you always call me that? You know I hate that. Well, I guess because of your encyclopedic knowledge of true crime stuff. It seems like, yeah, every time we talk, you have some weird story that I've never heard before. To, to be honest, Op, you don't ever seem to have heard of any of the stories or the or the people that everybody else has heard before, so... Well, uh, you know, that's that's why I call you. I, I like when you tell me about the world out there. Plus, I, I miss you. What? What? Uh, hey, true crime. That was again with the true crime. I won't call you true crime, Kent, okay? Does that make you feel better? I'll just talk, I'll just, okay. I'll just call you true crime. Whatever, Op. Yeah, true, okay, true crime. I have a question for you. Have you ever gone fishing? And if so, what's your preferred method of catching fish? Is like explosives or electrocution? What the hell? No, we're, just because I'm from Kentucky doesn't mean we get shit-faced and, and hammered on bush lights and, and throw explosives into ponds looking for catfish after banging our sisters. I, we fish like everybody else does, Op, with a pole and some bait. Really? Like no C4 or like 220 volts currents or nothing like that? Man, I just go out with my pole, we cast it out there, and we wait for the bobber to bob down. You know, just wait till it makes it bob. Not like John Bobbitt. <laughs> That's a whole other can of shortworm. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, so who is John Bobbitt? That's that's real funny. That's real funny, Art. <laughs> I know. I mean, though, like, um, like, who is he? You seriously don't know who John Bobbitt is? Like, you know the guy, 1993, 94... Uh, it was like the biggest headline in the world at the time. The guy who got his ding-a-ling, sling-a-ling by his wife. What? She took his doorbell? Ah, terrible. No, op. No, she she cut his dick off, man. His wiener is... No. She just bobbed it right off? Yeah, man. I even wrote about it once. Cool, you did? Can you tell me about it? Like, uh, like maybe use a cool voice or, you know, just tell me about it. I don't care. Uh, Okay. I, sure, I guess. Sweet, okay. Hey, hang, hang on a second. Recording has initiated. What the, what the fuck was that? Are you recording me? No. No, that was my, um, that was my recorder washing machine. I just programmed it. I w- wash all my flutes and recorders pretty, pretty regularly. That's, uh, weird. Uh, whatever. Anyway... You really don't know about the story? No, yes, yeah, yeah, I don't. Yes, I do not know about it. So tell me, tell me about it. Tell me about the Bobbit. Okay, I'll try. All right, I, I can't believe you've never heard of John Wayne Bobbit, but. No, uh, I, well, John Wayne, yeah, I've heard him, the, the movies, the movie star, Big Tall. No, not the, no, not the Western movie star, not that John Wayne. This was like the biggest story. In 1993, 1994. I guess we can break it down, though, if you want to. I don't... Yeah, well, I've never heard of John. I'll just start at the beginning, then, if you're inter- if you're this interested. I'll just start at the beginning. Just laying here in bed, big space next to me, empty. 
All right. He was born in 67. His mom's name was Mary. His, his dad's name was Wayne. They were they were poor as shit. His dad was an alcoholic, raging alcoholic, just beat the shit out of his mom. He actually used to go over to John's uncle's houses and, and, and hit on his uncle's wives. And then their uncles would beat the shit out of him, and uh, they would send his ass back into the house. Ew. Uh, he also had two brothers. Hey, so he went over to the uncle's houses. This is John Bobbitt's uncle's houses, right? Yeah, John Wayne Bobbitt's dad. Right. Okay, it's shorter Bobbitt. Yeah, we get shit-faced and go over to the uncle's and hit on the wives of Wayne's brothers, and then they would kick the shit out of him, send his ass packing back to the house. So then he would get home and he would... Okay. I guess he would take out the fact that he got his ass kicked and he would kick his kick John John Bobbitt's mom's ass. I see. So he would go over... Okay, so he's going over to his brother's houses, not to his brother-in-law's hitting on his sister's. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, okay. It's All right. That's creepy. That's fine. And first off, this happened in New York, in Niagara Falls, in New York. Okay. Oh, wow. So New York, Niagara Falls, which is actually... Okay, so we're not even south. No, this isn't even south. This isn't even south. Okay. We get south later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, no, you don't, actually. So he, he gets his ass kicked. They send him packing back to the house. Wayne stays shit-faced at the house all the time. He's beating on John Bobbitt's mom. He's beating on the kids. John had two brothers. And uh, they lived in kind of a shitty, ghetto-ass neighborhood, primarily black. The mom was always just... the way they, The way John makes it sound, she was always just... Busy cleaning the house and trying to keep Wayne happy and, and then going around the neighborhood and getting raped. So John Wayne is black and his family's black. They live in a black nip. No. No? No. For God's sakes, they're white. Oh. This was a little white dick that gets chopped off, not some big not some big black hog. This is this is a little white dick that gets chopped off. Okay, so they're the minorities in their neighborhood. Okay. They're the minorities in their neighborhood. The mom is getting raped left and right. Just she's just cleaning house. And 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 getting beat by her husband. That seems like a weird routine, you know, but okay. Well, we all have hobbies. We all have things that we enjoy doing. I'm not judgmental. I would like to say there's probably no correlation between the color of this neighborhood and the fact that she was getting raped. This just happens to be a shitty neighborhood off. Standard color neighborhood. Gotcha. Just a shitty neighborhood. So the, the Bobbitt boys, they're growing up in this shitty neighborhood, you know. Uh, they're, they're kind of the, the token white boys. In this, uh, in this very, very shadowy neighborhood. Well, uh, their house ends up getting burned down when John's, you know, a young teenager. Maybe in his, uh, he's probably 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, something like that. He's never specific about the age. But their house ends up getting burned down. According to John, it's because they were the only white family. That's probably not the case. They're probably dickheads, but whatever. So at that point, Wayne, John's dad, he bounces out of the house like most of our dads did down here in the South. And uh, Mary has a nervous breakdown. So she's just like, now there's just a yard to to get raped in. That's not safe. All health counselors will tell you that you should variate your activities during the day. One, If you just do one thing all the time, that's it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, she's she has a nervous breakdown up. And anyways, she, between, you know, Wayne beating the shit out of all of them and being shit-faced all the time and, and going over and, and getting whooped by his brothers. So she has a nervous breakdown, so John and his brothers, uh, they get sent to live with an aunt and uncle who actually already had four boys of their own, so their plate was full. Then these little pricks come marching in. Anyways, it's about this time, you know, John gets settled in with these aunts and uncles. 
Another one of his uncles starts molesting all of them. All seven? I, I don't know if it was all seven. Another, I know it was the, th- the three Bobbit boys for sure. He was. I don't know about the other ones. Okay. Maybe he was just focusing on those because you know. Well, seven. That's like Bible camp level. You know. Yeah, that's too many molestations in in one place. That is. That's too many. That's that's four too many. Too many. You're gonna get caught. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? My uncles always kept it to three or less. That was our motto. There's a uh, threshold. They don't get caught threshold. And nobody in my family has ever been caught. So Lorena Gallo at this point, uh, who would later be Bobbit, the yin to John's yang, is being born on the other side of the world. Would you maybe say the win to John's wang? That's that's uh, that's perfect. Yum. Uh, anyways, uh, but she was born in Ecuador, raised in Venezuela. She loved all the American shit. She loved American television. Uh, I don't know if Family Matters was Family Matters on in I don't know the mid eighties. What was what were some shows on in, in the mid eighties? Good American television shows. Yeah, you would have had like Happy Days. These days are right. that one. Manimal. Uh, that was really only on for like one season, but it was a great show. Nobody but you have ever has ever seen Manimal, but mm. you got uh, Dallas. You know, who, kill, who killed J.R.? I don't know. Let's find out. So she liked watching all those shows. The American Music, Madonna, probably the... What was that boy band that was huge? Depeche Mode. Do what? Depeche Mode. What the hell is that? The Cure? Morrissey? I'm just... All the, all the really famous boy bands that I listen to at the clubs. Yeah, I guess. All the American stuff. The American Dream. That's what she wants. So she's, she's growing up in Venezuela and she's not practicing the flick of her wrist or anything at that point because she doesn't know what's down the road. So she's growing up, you know, loving American stuff. Meanwhile, John, back here in the United States, is also growing up. Finally, the molestation kind of levels off when he starts probably getting pubic hair, and and, uh, he eventually becomes an athlete. He ends up being a swim team, a runner, a cyclist, and he claims that all of his friends called him Johnny Barbell, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. If you see any pictures of John around this age, uh, he has, like, the physical build of a 13-year-old volleyball player on a girls' team. Wow. So I kind of think he's full of shit, but he claims everybody called him Johnny Barbell. Well, maybe it's because he was shaped like one, you know, big head, nothing in the middle, big feet. Nothing in the middle for later, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm excited to find out. Anyways, after graduation, uh, you know, he graduates high school somehow, despite his, his, the fact this guy's an idiot. It sounds like all the things that he was into were, like, ways to run away from the molestation, you know, speed sports. The molestation and the ass beatings. It's all adding up now. So, uh, graduation comes along, you know, he graduates, and uh, he signs up, he goes to the recruiter, signs up to join the Marine Corps, and ends up going to, going to boot camp down at... Paris Island, South Carolina, in Beaufort. Real beautiful place. I've never been. It's it's humid and hot and miserable. Uh, Sounds beautiful. Especially this time of year. Best time. Well, here in, here in Antarctica, it's Octofembuary, but we go off of a different uh, circadian rhythm. So, okay. yeah. Okay. Lorena, meanwhile, is, is uh, getting a student visa back in Venezuela. She comes to the United States and moves in with uh, some family friends, the Castros, and starts attending Northern Virginity Community College. So she's going to school on a student visa, 
living with some family friends, the Castro family, and doing well. And that that brings us up to the point where these two these two turds smash into each other. Did you say she she went to Northern Virginity Community College? No, no, Virginia. Northern Virginia Community College. There's no such thing as a virgin in Virginia. Okay. That's, not, that's non-existent. Northern Virginity, though, I think that's a Catholic thing where it's like, I won't have sex, but, uh, you know, feel free to play with the knobs. Uh, that's actually... So let's get to September of 88. So John's a, a, an E3, which is a Lance Corporal. In the in the Marine Corps, it's a relatively uh, relatively unimpressive rank, uh, but he hasn't been in that long, so that's okay. Every year, the Marine the Marine Corps holds a Marine Corps ball for each Marine Corps unit. I could never figure out what unit John was with, uh, but for, for every unit, they they hold a Marine Corps ball every year. You get to wear your dress blues, you look all you know Jay Z. Those things make anybody look good, and uh, you got your little medals on your chest. And you're just mingling and drinking and having a good time, but uh, this is where John bumps into Lorena, who is who has came to that. So they have they have one ball every year. One ball every unit in the Marine Corps has a ball uh, every year. Yeah. Okay. So John Bobbitt had one unit, and John Bobbitt had one ball. But this was a ball, like a ball, like a like like a cotillion, huh? You know where they teach you how to like eat off of a plate and dance, dance in a square with the girls. Yeah, that we're gonna go with that. Okay. So yeah, that a cotillion. They have a Marine Corps cotillion. So they're doing the dance. Lorena's attended this cotillion, the ball with her friend, and they bump into each other. Right? John thinks she's kind of hot. You know, you got this little exotic lady, all, all fly in her in her in her nineteen eighties. In her 1980s dress, whatever that may consist of, I'm sure it had a lot of uh, a lot of rhinestone on it. Yeah, for sure, rhinestones, white leather, and um, and bleach denim accents on the shoulder pads. Oh, for sure, and the hair was mega puffy, insanely puffy. Everybody smelled like Aquanet. <laughs> yeah, and everybody wanted to fuck John Stamos. Yeah, so I thought his name was John Bobbitt. No, anyways, uh. They're not related. They're unrelated. Uh, they're they're completely unrelated. Okay. So so John sees Lorena. She's she's this exotic looking you know lady in her rhinestone dress and her poofy ass hair. He says that she was shine. She didn't speak much. Uh, didn't speak much English actually, which is probably fitting because John's such an idiot. He probably didn't speak much English as well. They probably had a lot in common on that front. Uh, but uh, you know they hit it off and started dating. And the Castro family, with whom, you know, Lorena was staying with, absolutely hate John because he never has his wallet when they go out on a date. So Lorena has to already, in this relationship, she's already having to front the cash for everything. Uh, you're going to find out it's a pretty running theme within the relationship that Lorena was the the breadwinner of the house. And John never really made much of an effort to, to change that. Lorena lived with the Castros? So and uh, anyways, they uh, they uh, the Castro family's always pissed. They hate John, and he's never got his wallet. So Lorena, like she she gathers her bearings. She's like she reevaluates. She reevaluates her life. You know, she's like I'm with this piece of shit. He's never got his wallet. He never pays for anything. He's always like bragging about being a marine to any, anywhere he goes. Like that's his thing. I'm sure you've met guys like that. He's one of those dudes. Yeah, I know. I know one guy who brags about being a Marine all the time. Yeah? 
Who's that? It's just this guy I know. He's a dick. <laughs> you know, he, I'll just say, short story. He's got an accent. I can't stand people with accents. Oh, gosh. So. Well, you know, where you're at, you probably know a lot of people with accents up there. There uh, are. Like, yeah, the guys down the road, the ones that are always rushing around, they've got accents. I can't quite peg it. I'm not quite sure. You said sure he's Russian? No, no, no. They just rush around. He, at least that's I, when I talked to him was one time they were telling me they were just rushing around. I don't know what you're what you're chipping away at there, what you're getting at, but uh, the uh, so he's this big turd, you know, this big smelly piece of shit. He's not really smelly, but he's a big piece of shit. And uh, and the family they get they get tired of him. the The family she's staying with hates him, and uh, she she like turns around. She's like, "What am I doing here?" And uh, and not long after that, she does a reevaluation. She decides that they need to get married. Um, and then after nine months of dating, apparently John... So one of John's favorite things to do was go to the to the swimming pool on base. Uh, he was stationed in Quantico, Virginia. He went to the to the base, the gym there on base, and would take Lorena with him and make her sit there and watch him swim laps. Wow. Sounds like fun for her. Hang on. So rewind, just, just to catch up. Uh, so she's like, what is going on here? This is a terrible relationship. Let's get married. Okay. Right? Right. Oh, I just right? want to make sure I'm tracking with her logic, which, you know, it sounds, sounds like a... It almost makes you wonder if, you know, with her having a visa expiring soon, there was an ulterior motive. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, okay. So she was a sort of a renter citizen. Op, are you in the United States? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I am. Uh, are you? Have you ever been here on a visa? Uh, I've, had, I've been there on a MasterCard before, uh, you know. No. I got into the country really quick. I just, I was on the American Express program. Skipped the visa. So. Okay. So, she was just sitting there, just watching him swim, like a a great date. And he's swimming, and he looks down, and he sees this ring uh, at the bottom of the pool, right? So he's like, this is it. This is the perfect time. This is, this is where I could reach peak, uh, Romance with a proposal with this free ring that is on the bottom of this shitty swimming pool on a Marine Corps base that's probably was retrieved out of a out of a claw machine inside of Denny's. Like so he swims his stupid ass down there, his dumb alabaster cracker ass down to the bottom of the swimming pool and retrieves this shitty free ring from the bottom of this he probably comes up and there's like a band-aid in his hair with a scab attached to it. And he's got this ring, and he crawls out of the pool in his in his little speedos, and he and he drops to a knee, and he asks her to marry him, and she's just smitten with this, with this fifty cent ring. Wow! Uh, and she says yes. Gross. She says yes. Op. That's sad. I thought it was romantic, but wh- I guess whatever. Ask my wife to marry, marry me after crawling out of a pond. So. uh... He had the. Uh, Why were you in a pond? I had just fell out fell out of a fishing boat. Oh, I made that up. I'm sorry. I, I lied to you just now. Well, they're married for. Uh, they're married for about a month. The first incident occurs of abuse, physical abuse. What did she do? That is the first question I always ask when I hear a woman's been abused. Honestly, well, as a feminist, I always you know I think equal equal opportunity, and I 
I always try to, you know, think, what could she have done to him? Because I don't want to immediately assume that the woman is innocent because that is what somebody who looks at women only as victims would think. Yeah, they're empowered, so they should, you know. I Oh, man, my reflex is like, hey, what did she do? How, how does she be so mean? That's very progressive of, of us. We haven't even talked about what race she is, so that's even progressive of us, too. Yeah, I don't see race. I don't see color. I don't either. But apparently, you know, they were driving down the road. Um, John was shit-faced. He had his brother in the back of the car. It's late at night. Lorraine is sitting in the passenger seat. And John is driving, apparently, according to her, very erratically because he's had a lot to drink. And he's going way above the speed limit. And she's just babbling in his ear. She's sober, of course. And he's he's just trying to have a good time, right? He's just trying to get really drunk and drive around this neighborhood where kids are playing and and just he's speeding up and down the road and taking out mailboxes and stuff and she's like begging him to stop and just being annoying as well you know why maybe she wasn't you know why he wasn't maybe stopping was she begging him to stop in english maybe you know it was just a language barrier language barrier is kind of that does end up being a little bit of an issue here Mm. but uh that's not that's not the case here She's running her mouth. He's, like, trying to get shit-faced and drive around really fast. Uh, and, like, annoyed that she's trying to stop them, stop John, stop him from killing all of them, you know, he, like, reaches over and he, like, just gives her a little pachow, you know, to the chest. Gives her a little, just a little jab to the tit. Oh, he hit her? Yeah, he hit her in a titty. Just I like did a little not see just, that coming. What? Just gave her a little, a little tit punch. Just a little pop. Mm, shouldn't do that. So, you know, John looks up into the rearview mirror after he, after he punches Lorraine in her titty and his brother. Just in case you were wondering what kind of people the Bobbits were, the brother who's sitting in the back gives John an approving nod to this little bit of abuse well at that point the brother is that's a new chapter in their lives he just saw john propagate their dad's you know hobbies so so not long after the abuse john gets discharged from the marines i never could find out if uh it was an honorable discharge or a dishonorable discharge what what the what the uh the circumstances were for his discharge you know, they got married in 89. He had been in the Marine Corps for about two years at that point. So it, he probably served out a four-year enlistment. Uh, but Yeah. All I know is there, I don't, I've never experienced a discharge that's, uh, you know, positive. They've always been painful and different. This is a different kind of, you know, not, this is a different kind of discharge op. Not like from a penis. Oh. Not like ooze. Oh. Or from a boil. Or something. Oh, from the mouth. I get it. Yeah. From, no. What? What? No. Like, discharge is like where you get, you've served your time in a, in a branch of the military, be it the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Army, the, the Air Force, and then you're allowed to go home. Oh, I see. I see. So John gets out of the Marines. He can't hold a job down. He's a, sh- he's a drunk, just like his dad, Wayne. And, uh, and Lorena has to kind of step forward and, and be the breadwinner, like she has been their whole relationship. So uh, she gets a job at the nail salon, and uh, her boss uh, ends up being her best friend, and that woman's name is Jana Bausitti. Jana is, is, is Lorena's boss and best friend, and Lorena also babysitted for her uh, on the side for a little extra money. So Lorena's paying all the bills, you know, doing the best she can to make ends meet, while John gets hammered. Man, 
Jenna sounds like a very, very mature child. If that's impressive, she owned a nail salon, hires Lorena, and then also pays Lorena to babysit her. That's impressive. That's a I want I want a kid like that that's that productive. I don't even know how your brain makes these connections. I, I don't. I'm, I know. It's like constantly discharge. Babysit her her children. Ah, not her. Oh. If she can run a business, she probably doesn't need a woman that can barely speak English and is getting the shit kicked out of her on a daily basis, like watching out for her. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm tracking again. You're right. I don't even know if this lady can speak English. She can speak English. She was raised in Virginia. Jana nail salons. Basuti is America is is, is English 100 percent. Okay. I don't even see, I never, I don't see language. I just see skin color. Okay, so the house is, Lorena's paying all the bills. She's, she's doing her best. John's getting shit-faced. He's always drunk. Uh, but and, and she fights it off as long as she can, but the house inevitably gets foreclosed on. So they, they, like, they take, that, take that from them. So they have to pack, pack up and move. And uh, they end up in Maplewood Park Apartments. In Manassas, Virginia, which is spelled man asses. Wow. <laughs> Gross. Uh, at Maplewood Park Apartments, number five on the second story, first door on the left. Quite a step down from, you know, where they were used to living. On February 21st, 1991, John is charged with assault and battery of Lorena. There's not a lot of details on this incident. He, It is like the only concrete evidence that they have, aside from, you know, bruises that Lorena's getting knocked around uh, daily. Well, we do have the brother who approvingly witnessed the the, the uh, booby punch, right? Yeah, and that's really the last, the first and the last appearance he makes in this story, the brothers, or any of John's family, uh, for that matter. They kind of back away after John gets famous for what he gets famous for. Gosh, what a cameo, you know. I'm sure that's stuck in his memory. Now, we need to, uh, allow, we need to, we need to point out something here. Lorena isn't perfect. Uh, in October of 91, she begins embezzling money from her best friend and boss, Jana Busetti. That's probably like taking money from a baby. Not because she's, she's not a baby. This is an adult that's managing a nail salon. Why does she have to be babysit? Did. Yeah, she ends up getting she ends up getting seven grand out of her before Jana Busetti uh, figured it out. If only she had done that before the house got closed for sale. Yeah, she should have been embezzling much much yeah. much earlier. She could have saved the house. Slacker. So Jana makes Lorena pay it back over time with interest, and somehow they remain friends. She didn't even lose her job. No. She didn't lose her job? $7,000? She let her stay. And she kept babysitting her kids, not her. Her kids. Whoa. Well, she shifted to the kids. Okay, well. She got demoted. She didn't even get demoted. Everything everything in her life remained exactly the same with Jenna, aside from having to pay the money back. Jenna was like, now, Lorena, have you been taking $7,000 from me? And Lorena's like, yes, I think so. And she's like, you're... You're a goober. Lorena, you little you little foreign goober. Get back to your cuticle. So I'm trying to do the math on that. It's a nail salon. So $7,000, that's probably like a lot of weeks worth of doing people's nails, I would So assume. I've actually had a pedicure and a manicure, and I've had my eyebrows done at a nail salon. Really? And, and 
I started saying this, but I didn't have an end game because I don't remember how much I paid. So yeah, probably. Huh. So you 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 pedicure, manicure, eyebrows. You stopped at the man asses. I, I stopped at the man asses. That I think. Get that. I don't think mm. I'm allowed. I don't think guys are allowed to get like bikini waxes and stuff in those places. I hope not. What? That might be sexual harassment. Even asking, you might they might wax something else off. So not long after this, uh, not long after this money embezzlement, uh, Lorraine is also caught shoplifting some clothes at Nordstrom. Uh, which sounds like a fancy clothes store. I'm not sure. I've never heard of it. We don't have Nordstrom's in Kentucky that I'm aware of. No, it's high-end, very high-end. Nordstrom then was acquired by, uh, well, actually, it was a competitor to the Bon Marche. And uh, Nordstrom sort of has been phased out. They still have the Nordstrom rack. Bon Marche was acquired by Macy's, uh, you know, and no one goes to the mall anymore. So that's the whole story on that. Why do you know this? Oh, you know, I just... uh, I read the the all the science journals. That has never been in any science journal that I've ever picked up anything like that. Mm. Yeah, I'm just I got a different subscription. I got mine through Ranger Rick, which is a scholastic subscription to it. So later on, she'll blame John for uh, when asked why, you know, she's shoplifting clothes at Nordstrom because she says that John is always telling her her, her dresses are ugly. Uh, I, I, this part of the story, I, I kind of think, is bullshit. I think she's just, like, stealing shit. But, but maybe he was. I, I don't know. Regardless, she does get a little bit of punishment for this for this uh, this crime. She has to do community service. She was a prostitute? What? She had to become a prostitute? How did you get prost How did you get prostitute after that? Community Oh, you think that community service means prostitution? Oh, you said community service. I thought you said community cervix. I was like, "What? That's illegal." I thought that I thought that in your op head you thought community service just automatically meant you had to become a prostitute, court-ordered prostitution for X number of months or years. Well, I'm I'm so thankful that you misheard me and that you didn't just misunderstand what community service If you was. know how to... I'm actually relieved. All I'll say is if you know how to run a nail salon, you know how to make the extra bucks, if, if you know what I mean. <clears throat> 1993, a lady named Regina Keegan comes into the nail salon that Lorraine is working at and uh, has a seat. She wants her nails did. She wants to get pretty, you know? Yeah. She wants to get crack-a-lacking, maybe go out and get some dick later. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> so Regina comes in. She's, she, she, this woman looks like a bitch. Like, uh, if you ever seen pictures of her, she ends up being very, very uh, beneficial uh, for Lorena, and and is genuinely a good a good human being. Uh, we we learned that out. So I'm 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 being hard on Regina for no reason because she has done nothing but prove herself to be a, a genuinely good human being. Time and time again in this story, actually. Uh, so that is just your your visual assessment. Is she lo- she looks like a horrible person? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is of no benefit to the overall story. Really? <laughs> I, but it's so telling of your storytelling abilities. You know, that's hardcore of you. It's like, it's like you know, Mark Twain using the N-word. You know, just you're throwing your opinions in there. It's how bold. I like your stories. We're just two dudes talking on a phone. Right, why can't I give you my opinion? Exactly. 
Now I'm going to Google image her. Yeah, she looks like she needs to speak speak to the manager. She was a Karen before Karens were a thing. She was a Karen before she was a Kegel. What was her last name? Yeah, a Keegan. She Keegan. was a Karen. Yeah, she was a Karen before she was a Keegan. Okay. All right. She just looks like she needs to speak to the manager Gross. because she can't understand what Lorraine is saying at all. So uh, Regina sits down. She should want to get her nails did, her makeup did. Lorena starts going to work on her nails, whatever that may consist of. Uh, at one point, Lorena kind of, kind of, she's probably getting stuffy and hot. Probably the bitch aura that Regina's giving off the heat from that is probably getting her. She's wearing one of these big, goofy sweatshirts that everybody, for whatever reason, was wearing in the early 90s. They either always either had Mickey Mouse on them or, like, it was just Mickey Mouse or Popeye or, or Tasmanian Devil. Yeah, Tweety Bird or Tasmanian Devil, right? I remember them. Every time. So she's yeah. probably wearing one of those. Regardless, regardless, Lorena's wearing a sweatshirt. She kind of hikes the sleeves up a little bit. She's showing some forearm. And uh, and some bruises are exposed when she does that. She, so she's working on Regina notices this. And she's like, hey, uh, what happened to your what happened to your, uh, what happened to your arms there? And, and Lorena, you know, in her kind of she kind of always has like this defeated look on her face like an abused kid she immediately yanks her sleeves back down and she says uh, and i'm i'm not doing like like a, a bad impression of lorena by the way i'm saying this this is quote uh my husband he hurt me and that's all she said well that's barely english i wouldn't i wouldn't know how to pick how to how to translate what she just says so that's understandable that's very vague well this this messes with regina right this kind of this kind of bears on Regina's mind, bothers her for a while. She remembers this in detail, and she becomes a very valuable witness. Uh, one thing to note about Regina Keegan is even though she's on the stand trying to save Lorena from prison for 20, 30 years, uh, she makes time on the witness stand to talk about how much of a shitty nail artist that Lorena is. Really? <laughs> She, wow. I don't know. She probably got home. She looked at her nails. She's like, well, that woman was really badly abused, but these nails are trash. <laughs> these nails are trash, dude. Dang. And there's no such thing as as uh, what is the website that everybody uses to rate businesses? Better Business Bureau. That's like the government thing. Oh, the uh, Yelp. 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 Yeah, so this Yelp. is before Yelp. Okay. So this is like... Okay, well, what I can do right now is I can I can provide evidence that Lorena was being abused at home, and I can make a Yelp review to all these people. <laughs> She's like, listen, this woman has been abused badly, but she can't do nails for shit. And I, what? And after the nails that I got, there was nobody getting a dick in. feel bad for her. I also feel bad that Yelp wasn't around then. Could have really helped the situation. So we're getting right up to the incident. Uh, like, this is days prior. So there's... Friday night, John rapes Lorena in the hallway. What? Uh, on that that Saturday, that following morning, they have consensual sex, which is strange, but this is all factual. And then on June twenty second, nineteen ninety three, Lorena goes to the Manassas Police Department to file an EPO against John. The police tell her, "Hey, that's going to take a minute. There's a lot of paperwork. This pork really computers are taking hold, you know, and and eating our children's brains away." So there's a lot of paperwork, and Lorena says, nah, fuck that. I ain't got time for that, because she's got to be at work later, right? Yeah. She goes ahead and bounces out, and probably right there, she's like, it'd be a lot easier, instead of having to do all this paperwork, 
if I just chopped his dick off. So that's what she told them? No, she didn't say that. I made that up. That oh, part it's like about, inner, inner monologue. Okay. About it being premeditated, I, I made that up for, for story purposes. Okay. Suspense. So uh, it's really important at this point to note that months prior, uh, John had a buddy named Robert Johnson who was equally a piece of shit, uh, equally on the same level of shittiness that John was, uh, crashing with him. Wait, so we've got we've got John Bobbitt who got his wiener cut off, and then we've got Bob Johnson who's also a dick. Wow. But at this point, John still has his dick. I need to elaborate on that. Okay. Right. Well, yeah, he used it illegally the night before and then legally the next morning. So Robert Johnson's crashing on their couch. He doesn't have a job either. And uh, Lorraine is having to put up with both these dipshits. So all this guy did really was drink as well and play a Game Boy, right? And he's just sleeping on their couch like a frat boy. June 22nd, same day, Lorena goes to file the EPO, says, fuck this, leaves. She's at work now, and it's early evening, and John's feeling, you know, angsty. He's wanting to get out, unfurl a little bit. So he calls Lorena at work and finds out she's working till late, and he's like, ah, I really need to go spend some of her money. So he probably taps Robert on the head, who's sitting on the couch, you know, playing his Game Boy, and tells him to go get ready. They're going to go out. They're going to go have some fun. Going to go blow some of that $7,000. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, they probably get decked out. God knows what. At that time, it's probably acid-washed jeans, right? This is 93. So acid-washed jeans and maybe a, a turtleneck. Yeah. Bobbitt and Johnson getting decked out. So they go out. You know, they go to the clubs. Uh, they have a few drinks. They drink two B-52 bombers. We would always get made fun of if we if we drank drinks like that growing up. They're not very masculine drinks. And uh, according to them, they have a couple B-52 bombers and a couple beers. That's what John says. Uh, Robert will later claim that they were shithoused. John will claim they were sober. So you do the math. Mm. Okay, so tell me then, on a scale of beer... To Seagram's wine cooler. Where does B fifty two bomber sit? Beer to Seagram's wine cooler. You're not a big drinker, are you? Are you? Uh, I I have been known to imbibe on some heavy root beers. It's probably like halfway. Halfway. Probably like a white like like a like a white claw today. Okay. It'd probably be equivalent to like just shotgun and a white claw. Okay. Shotgun white claw. Not ever clear. Yeah. Not shotgun ever. Clear. Not ever clear. It's got a shot of alcohol in it. I believe okay. it's vodka. All right. Uh, but one shot on a... John was probably 175 pounds. It's not going to do much. And then he claims they only had a couple beers. But Robert will say later that they were hammered. So I think he's lying about how many drinks they had. But regardless, they go to Denny's, which is ironic because that's probably where his wife's ring came from. <laughs> and uh, they shove... Have you ever found yourself sitting at a Denny's at like 2 in the morning, absolutely hammered, just shoving eggs into your face and not remembering it really there's just an overweight lady that wants to kill herself there having to wait on your stupid ass while you shove eggs into your face and they fall out yes and you can't really talk yeah i sit there frustrated because the hash browns won't stay on the fork and every time she comes by her skin is like emanating the smell of the exact same thing as the marlboro man yeah 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 they just sweat nicotine yeah it's like she got joe camel lotion or something it's all eggs and ash and man asses. But you're hammered, so it's delicious. So they, they, they drink, they eat at Denny's, and then Robert has to drive them back. Robert claims later that he drove because 
John was too drunk to drive, and Robert was drunk himself. So they drive drunk. <clears throat> they drive drunk back, drunk back. They pull up to the Maplewood Park Apartments at 8174 Peakwood Court in Manassas Park, Virginia, 3 a.m. in the morning. So it's 3 a.m., and, uh, and the, boys have, the boys have gotten home. Uh, Lorraine is upstairs asleep in the apartment, right? You tracking up? Yeah, she's asleep in the apartment. Not getting raped. Yeah, yeah. Not getting raped yet. Okay. But John's getting ready to clock in. According to John, he, he, he slides into bed. You know, he tries to be respectful that Lorena's sleeping. She's got to work the next day. He tries to, he, he takes off his clothes quietly. Robert quietly hits the couch and he slides in. And the second he hits the bed, she starts nagging about her feelings and shit. Oh, man. And like the inner turmoil that's like going on inside her, all that. If she spent half of the amount of time that she spent nagging on getting better at nails, they would. Or not wearing bad sweatshirts. But. <laughs> So she's nagging about her feelings and all that adult shit that John really hates. And he just drifts off to sleep. He's so tired. He's worn out from not doing anything all day. So, uh, but according to Lorena, this is what happened. So Robert and John, they, they pretty much bust in to the, to the house like, uh, like frat boys. And they're like, oh, we're hammered. Aren't you hammered, Robert? And John's like, oh, you want me to fucking jerk you off on the couch, Robert? He didn't say that, actually. <laughs> Yeah. I made that up. <laughs> That's a pretty good part of the story. I think we'll leave it. That would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's just for body heat. <laughs> so Robert and John didn't jerk each other off. I made okay. that up. All right. Uh, ironically, John's dick would be in another man's hand by the end of the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Actually, at this point, you know, we've been fucking around here a lot, but uh, I've actually got a little piece of dialogue that I recorded back whenever I was doing the research on this story, and uh, it's kind of like covers like the meat and the meat, the meat and potatoes of this bit. You know, the next bit, the bit, the the I guess the 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 pinnacle of this story, which is the actual cutting. Uh, do you want me to just? Do you want me to read that? Yeah, it's pretty serious. So you're gonna read about the meat climax and potatoes of this story? Yeah, I actually had it right here beside me. I'm sweet. It's, it's what a coincidence. Yeah, could you use like a cool voice? Can you make like a mysterious? Can you make like a use a mysterious voice? Like a what do you mean? Like a like an announcer voice, or like you know. Robert Stack, kind of. Make it sound, sound intense. Just try. I'll try. I mean, I'll try. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Lorena Bobbitt slumped over the edge of Wait, the bed. Hang, hang on. Hang on. Do you, do you want um, do you want me to put some cool music behind this part? Like, like uh, right now, while we're on the phone? <laughs> wow. Just so it like, helps you read it better, maybe? <clears throat> I'll try. I mean, I, 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 if you yeah, want. Let's, yeah, let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Make it sound a little more <coughs> suspenseful for just you and I to listen to. Okay. <clears throat> Lorena Bobbitt slumps over the edge of the bed. Um, I don't feel like that's... Yeah, no, I don't mean to direct. Can you give it a little more? Just give it a little more meat. 
in your potatoes. Why are we? Why can't? Why won't you just let me read this? Why you? Okay, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll give you what you want. You want some acting? Yeah. Hoo, hoo, hoo. All right. Let me clear my throat. <coughs> Lorena Bobbitt, slumped over on the edge of the bed, like a discarded condom, ponders her predicament for the final time. Then gathers herself, dries her tears, and stands up in the darkness. She slinks out of her bedroom, through the shadows of the living room, past John's ever-present, unconscious, piece-of-shit house guest, and into the kitchen for a glass of water. A glass of water is all, a glass of water before heading back to bed. Back to John. She lightly opens the refrigerator, pries it open, really, like a guilty teenager, then shakily grabs the pitcher and pours herself a glass. She stands in the kitchen, Sipping. A thin beam of light peeks out from the fridge. Lorena holds the door open slightly as she drinks, not wanting to wake anyone with too much noise or too much light. The beam illuminates a number of things on the kitchen counter, and she takes mindless inventory of them as she processes what has just happened to her. What continues to happen to her? How long is she going to let this happen to her? The light bounces off of a shiny metallic surface. Lorena's gaze is drawn to an eight-inch carving knife laying on the counter, seeming to beckon, almost grin, at her. It's as if a higher power is pointing at that simple piece of steel via the light from the fridge. He's never gonna rape me again. The thought is massive, undeniable. Lorena, now entranced, pads silently to the counter and quietly lifts the knife. She rolls it over in her hand a couple of times, admiring its simple beauty. She rubs a manicured thumb over the sharp, surgical edge and listens to the ridges in her fingerprint hum off the blade and roll softly through the quiet apartment to where he sleeps. In a trance-like state, the knife-wielding hand drops to her side and she retraces her steps from the kitchen to the bedroom, guided by the warm residual light from the now wide-open refrigerator. She is a vessel of vengeance, void of emotion, of rational thought, a Manchurian candidate for the ghosts of every abused, going through the motions in order to get what needs to be done. Completed. In the bed, John snores softly, naked and oblivious to the approaching threat. A flimsy white sheet is laying across his body, 200 threads of cotton between his cock and the dangerous atmosphere recently created with it. The door to the bedroom slowly creaks open, and the smallest glow of light from the kitchen silhouettes Lorena's figure in the opening. Her shadow drifts across the room and meets the side of the bed without so much of a creak of the flooring that envelops John as Lorena herself catches up. She takes her left hand and pulls the thin sheet back from John's naked form, a cold gust of air hitting his nude body, and he stirs for a moment before he falls back into his slumber. Lorena watches, waits, There it lays, not so intimidating right now. Odd how something so shriveled and small could cause so much pain and trauma. Hatred fills every fiber of her being, and her shadow again moves, this time up the wall as if taking a deep breath. Using one hand, Lorena reaches down and seizes the penis by what little throat is there and pulls it up from its sleepy position, gives it a little bit of a stretch, then brings the blade of the knife to the base and rests one side of its surface on John's pelvis. John begins to stir. He's enjoying this. There's his girl. 
Back for more, eh, baby? Getting frisky with me in my sleep? In his foggy state, John Wayne Bobbitt relaxes and waits to be serviced. In one swift motion, Lorena pulls with one hand and saws with the other. A clean cut, one precise clean cut, like slicing through a tender little steak. John is jolted awake by the action and scans the dark front attacker, but the shadow has already exited the apartment. The front door loudly closes, and the empty bed tells him that for some reason, so is Lorena. She's gone. He looks down to a spreading, warm wetness and dumbly realizes, almost with humor, that shit, his dick's gone too. Wow, I feel like something just came over me. I, I felt like that sounded really good. That was, that was amazing. That was like, that transcended normal phone calls quality. That was uh, impressive. I felt like I left my body and I was looking down on, you know how like they say in emergency rooms when people die, they're like in the corner, they're watching the doctors work on them. Yeah. That's what that just felt like when I was reading that. Yeah, man, you weren't checking around. You you were like somewhere else, somebody else. That was amazing. I'm going to try to get in a head state like that. Like every time you call me and we talk about one of these stories, like just try to do like a little, a little thing like that because that felt really good i felt like i just got some demons out of me so anyways that was awesome yeah oh, wow i'm very proud of myself but i'm still reeling that was impressive so lorena comes to inside her car right and for the most part everything that just happened is like a blur to her she's just kind of in robot mode right and she's driving and she like evaluates the situation she looks to the right she's got a fucking game boy for some reason, in the passenger seat. Not a big problem. Theft is an issue, but she's kind of comfortable with it, as we've established. In her right hand, there's a bloody knife. That's, that can be a problem. That's an issue. Uh, but she can work with that. Maybe she accidentally cut herself. She hasn't checked herself, right? Right. She doesn't really know what's going on yet. She's driving down the road. Okay, we got a Game Boy in the passenger seat. we got a bloody knife in one hand. But in the other hand, in the other hand... She's got a boy game. No, not a... Oh. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a dick. A uh, little bitty dick. And it's bleeding down her wrist, this little this little pecker. Bleeding all over her arm. So she's got a dick in her left hand. And she's like, that's probably John's dick. I bet that's that looks just like John's dick. Serious process of dediction on her part here to figure that out. So she's, got, so she's trying to drive. So meanwhile, Lorena is headed down the road. We got a Game Boy in the passenger seat, knife in the right hand, dick in the left. She's just busy. Yeah, she's ready for a night out. So let's look at things from John's perspective, right? John's laying there. He's shit-faced, even though he claims later he wasn't. He feels the, the sheets pull down from his bare chest. He's butt-naked, laying in bed butt-naked. He feels the sheets pull down from his chest, and the cold air from the ceiling fan hits his bare chest, and his... His little shriveled soldier is laying there pathetically. He feels a little tug on it, right? Which is all you're going to be able to give that thing is a little tug. And uh, and he thinks, oh, she's wanting round two. Ding, ding, ding. Clocking back in. That's probably what he's thinking. So he feels uh, he feels another. He feels a little tug, and then he feels a sharp pain, right? A real sharp pain. And uh, as you have probably already figured out, it's because his dick just left his body. <clears throat> he. 
he jolts awake and he watches and he sees the shadow leave the room like real quick. But he's still dazed. He just woke up out of a sleep. What the hell is going on? And he he like looks down and his dick is gone. Wow. Which is a bummer. That's a bummer. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often to me. I can't recall of a time that's ever happened to me. I've been in some cold rivers before, but... Uh, but at least it's still, like, you know it's there somewhere. Yeah, right, somewhere. This time it's, like, missing in action. For John, it's, it's M-I-A. It is not even hiding out. <clears throat> so he hops out of the bed, right? He grabs a towel. He's like, what the hell? A burglar just broke in and ripped my dick off and ran off. But he probably, like, pretty quickly realizes Lorena, because she's not there. He's probably thinking, how am I ever going to rape her again? That's probably the first thought. that. And he's like, Lorena, I can't rape you ever again. And then she's gone. He's like, oh, shit. Who's got egg on their face now? Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. He probably giggled to himself and put his hands, his face in his hands, and he just went, I am so embarrassed. So he grabs a towel, and he puts it to his torso, and he tries to cover the wound, and he runs in there, and he kicks Robert. And he's like, and this is all very detailed. They were very detailed about this. Is I'm not making any of this up. Aside from him thinking that a burglar stole his dick, he was pretty sure Lorena did it from the get. <laughs> right. So he kicks, he kicks Robert, right? And he's like, Robert, get up! And Robert's like, what? And he's like, my dick's gone. You got to take me to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so John runs back into the runs back into his bedroom, and he's like putting blue jeans on. He's trying to get blue jeans on, and he. Fortunately, he doesn't have to worry about zipping it up, so that part is a lot quicker. <laughs> he like gets his pants on and he looks, and Robert is fucking brushing his teeth. <laughs> oh, Robert, he's always worried about being presentable. <laughs> and he's probably like, he probably Robert's so selfish. He probably looks at John and sees his dick is gone. He's like, but bro, somebody took my fucking Game Boy. But John's like, stop brushing your teeth. We got to go to the hospital. So they rush out, right? Meanwhile, let's go back to Lorena. She's trying to drive. She pulls up to a stop sign at the intersection of Old Centerville Road and Polk's Road. And it's next to a 7-Eleven. And I actually, back whenever I was doing this research, I pulled it up on Google Maps and I took the drive that Lorena did. So if you're looking at this stop sign, you know you're at a stop sign. It's a four-way intersection. And uh, right to her left is the parking lot and a 7-Eleven. And this, is, this isn't in the city. This is kind of a, a little bit of a, like a rural area. She looks to the left, and this is pitch black outside, right? It's probably, I don't know, 4 o'clock in the morning at this point. She looks to the left. She's like, that is not a place for a little penis. No. That parking lot is not ideal. It cannot grow there. That is not a good idea. She looks to the right, and there's a wooded area with a little grassy, grassy kind of uh, meadow, if you will. A uh, little grown-up grassy area, flat, good prime dick planting ground. I was going to say, a wooded area with a little grass is great for a little wooded area. Yeah, plenty of plenty of sun to get and water could get on it, grow a little pe- a little pecker tree. Uh, <laughs> so she, she weighs her options. She's like, that's where this dick is going. She rolls down her window. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding at this next part. She hook shots it like Larry Bird, of all people. No. <laughs> she Larry Birds it with her left arm over the roof of the car. She just reaches out the way you'd throw like a cigarette. Why would you throw a cigarette out? But just left arm out, 
hook shots it over the roof. The little pecker flies through the air and lands in the grass in that in that little meadow over there. I'm glad you're telling me this story. It's very detailed. <laughs> I can't believe you never heard it. I can't believe I've never heard it. Yeah. I can't believe you thought we were getting ready to talk about Western movies. <laughs> so Lorena then goes to work at the at the nail and body salon for whatever reason. It's like fucking 3, 45, 4 o'clock in the morning. Obviously, it's not open. And then she leaves. She goes to her boss's Jana Basuti. Let's go back to John. At, around this time, he busts through the ER with his with his buddy Robert in tow. And uh, he's got a towel, bloody towel, pressed against his cock area. And uh, it's it's red. And at first, the doctors think he's injured his hand, right? They're like, oh, look, this guy's just hurt his hand really bad. And then he removes the towel. And the doctors do like a quick visual. And they're like, testicle, check, testicle, check, pubic hair, check. We are, I'm missing something here. <laughs> and uh, the doctor takes one look and he tells John, we may not be able to put it back on. And that's if they find it, right? Yeah. John says at this point he thinks about killing himself. And honestly, it would have been best for the world if he had. Because uh, we could do without a John Bobbitt. Uh, it would be definitely be a lot better world for women. But, unfortunately, that didn't happen. John tells the doctors his wife did it. This becomes like a quick rumor. Apparently, at this hospital, it's like a high school. And doctor-patient confidentiality isn't a isn't a thing. Out the window. <laughs> yeah. Out the window. The second a dick is involved or an asshole, confidentiality goes out the window. Whenever John tit-punched Lorena, if she'd walked into the ER and been like, my titty's swollen, confidentiality out the window. This woman's got a big old titty and one like normal... Ecuadorian titty. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about their people. The indigenous peoples of Ecuador. I'm sure they're beautiful. But I'm sure. genitals, the second genitals are involved. Confidentiality goes out the window. So the doctors are whispering in this hospital about this little dick that's gone. Uh, like, what happened? You know, everybody's speculating. Did he get attacked by, by a wolverine? <laughs> or did he run into like? Did he run into Baraka from Mortal Kombat, which is a reference that? So they're making up their own theories. You know what happened? Rumors start, and and the cops obviously get involved. If if a guy loses his dick, and it's not by his own doing, and it's not by a doctor doing, the, the cops are going to get involved. For whatever reason, one doctor assumes she just pulled that thing off. She just pulled it off, like she was just getting really into a hand job, and she just pulled his dick off. Like dicks aren't like that. I've never. I've never tested the elasticity or the tensile strength of, of my penis. Right. I don't know if you have off. I know scientifically there is more tensile strength than sheer strength, which is why it could get cut off a lot easier. How much pressure do you think would it take to just pull a dick off? Oh, gosh. Would it be easier to pull an ear off? About, probably about the same, I would think. You think so? I don't know. That It's just any of it would be very difficult. I would rather get my dick if I had if you had to choose. Would you rather have your dick pulled off or just cut off? I'm going cut. I'm going cut, and I'm also going to never go to that doctor because that guy's an idiot. So the officers are bouncing around rumors. Did you hear like she just pulled it off, and then another one for whatever reason assumes she swallowed it. So the 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 immediate the matter at hand immediately becomes we got to find this dick to save this man that they don't know is a piece of shit yet some dignity right? Like that's the biggest. Their number one priority, we got to find this dick so we can reattach him, because that's a ticking clock. <clears throat> so Officer John Tillman is uh, from the police department, is sent to the apartment to look for the dick. He gets there. He finds a blood trail that comes down the steps outside. 
to where a car would have been parked. Uh, he follows the blood trail to the bedroom. Uh, finds a large puddle of blood. He explained that it was about like an inch of blood in the bed and a crease in the blood where, jo- where John's like asshole would have been. And uh, he doesn't find the dick in there. He looks in the kitchen. He looks in the garbage disposal. He looks in the fridge. He looks in the dishwasher for some reason. Doesn't find the doesn't find the dingling or the or the or the remover, the the instrument. <laughs> the in- yeah, the remover, right? <laughs> and uh, and but he does find pamphlets, which is pretty important because the pamphlets were on uh, rape and domestic abuse. <laughs> like what in John Bobbitt's house were these yes. like instruction yes. pamphlets or were they like pamphlets on rape and domestic abuse? Now ah, like how to guides? Like no, not like how to rape and how to domestic abuse. Well, it's I don't seems, even know. Do they make pamphlets like that? I don't know. I don't also don't know John Bobbitt's house very well, but it sounds like he's pro both of those things. I believe one hundred percent everything that Lorena says happened, but I think she also kind of staged some stuff to help her case yeah you know yeah regardless john tillman we've also elaborated that john is an idiot so maybe he's seen it and he can't read so they don't find the dick at the apartment at this point we're going to switch back to lorena right she's been to the nail salon she goes to jana jana by by suities her dos and beat her boss and best friend and beats on the door uh, they answer, and she kind of, like, spills the beans. And she's like, hey, how you guys doing? Look, probably taps her watch. She's like, I know it's fucking 4 o'clock in the morning, but I got some news for you, sister. And she's probably like, oh, my God, Lorena, what was it? What did you do? And she's like, I went in there, and I chopped his dick off. And she's like, Lorena, you are so crazy. You're such a silly girl. I thought you were about to tell me something nail-related, but this is not nail-related. That She actually doesn't answer or respond like that at all. Jana kind of freaks out. She's like, listen, you got to go to the police department. The first thing you need to do is let them know about the rapes and the domestic abuse. So uh, Lorena agrees. They go to the, the Manassas Police Department, and the first thing the cops are interested in, like, hey, before we do anything else, we got to find this dick. You ate it, didn't you? <laughs> and she's like, no, I know eat it. Is it in your? Is it in your belly? He's like, no, and he's like, who had five dollars for it? it? Was in her belly, and they're like, oh damn it! But they're like, where is the dick? And Lorena's like, she tells them, just look around by the Seven Eleven over there in that little grassy area. It's over there somewhere. I I hook shotted it in the grassy area, <clears throat> and they're like, okay, so where's the knife? And uh, she's like, oh, well, I went to the nail and body sculpture, the salon that she worked at, and I uh, threw it away in a trash can outside there. So Miss Cindy Leal, Officer Cindy Leal, goes and gets the knife. Meanwhile, almost all the police units are dispatched to the, to the grassy area uh, across from the 7-Eleven to retrieve the penis. Imagine with me, if you will, up a bunch of cops, like, combing this grassy area, right? You're... you're you're standing outside of a 7-Eleven, stoned out of your mind, drinking a Slurpee. Yeah. Right? And you look and you like see cops combing this grassy area, and you're probably thinking, oh, fuck. I bet they're looking for a missing child. Yeah, in the grass. Yeah, or someone's contact got falled out, and they're, you know, looking well, for I don't it. think that's a police matter, but, I mean, yeah, I guess if the police department isn't that busy, maybe in, like, my hometown where I grew up. Well, if it was a decomposing contact... 
lens. Yeah, but what you're not thinking is, I bet they're over there looking for a little cock. No, they're not. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> At least not on the clock. They're not looking for that. <laughs> so police, police and firefighters are over here, like kind of in line looking for this for this little dick. It's like finding a a, a little a little dick in a needle in a needle stack. <laughs> and a needle dick in a needle stack. A needle dick in a haystack. Hard to find, in other words. <laughs> That's actually exactly because grass turns to hay, right? Hey. And his he had a little pencil dick. It is like they're looking for a needle dick in a haystack. That's what they're looking for. So uh, Officer Willard Hurley steps on the penis, and he finds it, which is amazing because I don't have any dexterity in my work boots to, like, feel when I step on something. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's crazy that he took a step, and he was like, that's definitely a little spongy dick. So he moves his foot, and he's like, there it is, I found it. Whenever Officer Perry is like, hey, pick it up, you know, time is sensitive. This is probably my favorite part of the story. Officer Perry elaborates that, that Willard Hurley, the officer that found it, is very religious, right? Super religious, very Christian uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist. Mm. And he won't touch the dick. He won't touch the dick. That's where I draw the line, son. Not picking that dick up. <laughs> I don't know if he thought, like, it was he was going to get some gay on him. <laughs> if I touch that, I'm gay. And I ain't no gay. So he's really just being stupid. My Lord says, no. Fuck him. I don't care if he ever has sex again. I ain't touching it. Uh, Officer Perry is our hero in this story. He's like, you won't touch the dick, I'll touch the dick. And he grabs that little sucker by the throat. This is a part of the story that sounds like it's made up, but it's 1 million percent true. They uh, He runs across the road to the parking lot of the 7-Eleven, runs into the 7-Eleven, carrying this little dick in his hand. And he's looking frantically for something to put it in, because it's got to be on ice, right? Op, I'm not making this up. He grabs... He grabs a hot dog container. Oh, my gosh. I was expecting you to say big gulp cup, but... No, fills it with ice from the soda machine, <laughs> and he puts the little pecker in there, and then he puts more ice on it, and he closes it up in this hot dog container. The one food that is phallic. So, uh... Oh, sorry, man. Uh, oh, I just got... That's my favorite part of the story. <laughs> So they rush to the hospital, right? Back at the police station, Lorena says that she's 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 panicked. She's scared. She doesn't know what to, They ask her why she did it, and just kind of as a knee-jerk reaction, she says, and this is a direct quote, and I'm going to try to be as, like, politically correct when I say this uh, as I can without doing, like, a really bad accent, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try to... Get through this without being offensive, but this is a direct quote, word for word. I'm not, like, trying to spice up the word so that it sounds super, like, racist. So I'm going to try to approach this sensitively. But uh, she says, He always has an orgasm, and he doesn't wait for me to have an orgasm. He's selfish. I don't think he's fair. Wow. Was that okay? That wasn't, yeah, that was not insensitive at all. That was actually, I, I thought, that's just your normal voice. Well, good, because it was. Okay. Good. <laughs> he always have orgasm, and he doesn't wait for me to have orgasm. He's selfish. I don't think it fair. Wow. So uh, that kind of hurts her later on in her and her during her trial. Uh, but it was. I think it was just a knee jerk. You know, she'd been putting up with a lot of shit from this piece of shit human being. She was just like it was a fog. I think it was a haze. 
And then she eventually breaks down and goes on about the rapes. But she's already kind of put a nail in any coffin of justice for John Wayne Bobbitt doing what he did. You know, John uh, the sur- the surgery the the doctors get the get the little pecker and and the little pecker gets reattached and they don't know if it's going to work and it does work and they take the tourniquet off after the surgery and color pops back into it and and it's all good in the hood and then the court proceedings so this is the where the media circus comes in and I, this is why I can't believe you heard you haven't heard about this op no well this is like the biggest story of 1993 and 1994 no i only down here all i have is national geographic so I'm just going to brush over the court proceedings because because you know over a phone call just the two of us talking it's not that it's not that interesting yeah to go for into sure the long drawn out judicial shit right John's trial starts November eighth nineteen ninety three uh, after uh, actually not that long it only lasts two days John is not guilty of of sexual assault really uh, and walks away for free yeah he he doesn't serve any time for all the rapings and abuse no way that uh. That he committed. Oh my goodness! I, I that is that's pretty shocking, actually. That's surprising. I mean, it almost seems like, like they are, you know, the court, the the court of public opinion has just turned a blind eye to his indiscretion because he got his wiener cut off. Like, oh, this poor guy got his dick. He's already paid his price. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, after his t- trial, he bounces off to a buddy's ranch and rides horses. He goes on Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern hosts a, a New Year's Eve charity event to raise money for his surgeries. <clears throat> they raised $190,000, and the meter to show how much money they had raised was a giant throbbing penis. Oh, my gosh. And you can look that up on YouTube, Op. It's still there. John Bobbitt's Benefit, hosted by Howard Stern. Oh, my goodness. You could, like, make a a, a uh, bionic penis for that much money. Yeah, you could, couldn't you? Yeah, uh, not in '93. In '93, mm. it would work off like hydraulics and stuff. Yeah, still pretty cool. It would make cool. noises like RoboCop whenever it got hard. <laughs> Drop it. Drop them. <laughs> Drop them. <laughs> January 10th, 1994, Lorena's trial begins. She's found innocent by reason of temporary insanity. Some few things to to bring up at this point. So Lorena claimed that when John raped her that night, uh, he had torn her panties. Uh, it was determined that the panties that she was wearing by a forensic uh, investigator uh, had been cut and not torn. What, what is the one major, uh, one, one of the major probably uh, tools that are at a at a nail salon? Panty, panty, scissors. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, scissors. What were you getting ready to say? Panty cutters. Lorena also kind of comes off like she's acting a little bit. And if you'll watch the watch the videos on YouTube from the trial, she does kind of seem like she's being uh, coached, maybe a little bit in some points. But uh, like, what kind of acting? Like, um, like really good emotional acting, or more like Telemundo soap opera acting? Ah, uh, uh, this is Telemundo for sure. Okay, all right, I'm tracking for sure. Only it's not like Days of Our Lives because it's Lorraine. It's like Days of Our Lives. I'm not good at accents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. If you were, I'd ask you to do it, but you're not. Yeah, no, I suck. <laughs> <laughs> so she's found innocent by reason of temporary insanity and sent to a hospital in Petersburg, Virginia, for 40 days for a psychiatric evaluation, which is a uh, standard procedure uh, when somebody's found innocent by reason of insanity. 
And that's where that's where our story ends up. That's the story of John Bobbitt. He gets in to some shenanigans later on in his life, some crimes. He works at the at the at the Bunny Ranch, the legal prostitution place down in Nevada, I believe it is. Is it Nevada? Oh, okay. Uh, for a little while until they they get tired of his bullshit there. They kick him out. He 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 does a porno named uh, John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut to show the world that his dick works. And uh, he unfortunately chose to do a porno with Ron Jeremy, who has like a goddamn swamp monster between his legs. And it's not that good. I, I watched it. I don't know a dozen times, but uh, it's not. It's not that good. <laughs> it's not worth watching thirteen times, though. Just it's not worth the thirteenth viewing. Yeah, no. <clears throat> uh, not long after that, he goes back to Howard Stern. Him and Howard ended up apparently being pretty good friends. Howard pays for uh, a dick enlargement surgery, and a doctor goes in and tries to do a penile enlargement surgery on him and, and fucks the surgery up and gives John like a Quasimodo penis. Where it's like bulging and like weird, and the and the and the weight is like oddly not not distributed <laughs> right. And then after long after that, he does a porno called Franken Penis. Oh my gosh, he really he did another one. Yeah, Franken Penis. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I couldn't find that one, and I looked. Boy, howdy, did I look? <laughs> uh, but it cannot be found. <laughs> and that's it, up. That's wow. it. Wow, that scared me. You know, are you married up? Yes. Just, you know, don't get into rapings and and treat your lady well. And I don't think it's going to be an issue. Don't punch her boobs. Don't. Don't rape. do any don't, titty punches. Don't do the rapes. And your life will, you'll be able to. I think the poem goes, don't punch her boobs. Don't do the rapes. If you succeed, you'll get to keep your grapes. That, I think that's the one that I learned in school. My mom always read that to me before I went yeah, to sleep, actually, right. yep. growing up. Yep. That reminds me of one of John's buddies, uh, John Kalpoa, who we never really mentioned because he actually took the witness stand and, and testified against John. And he was a, a childhood friend, not childhood, but John during his, his young Marine years. He was a friend of, of John Bobbitt. This guy's name is John Kalapoa. And uh, he's a friend of mine, and uh, I've gotten to know him over the years. No way. You know the same guy? And uh, he's a really he's a really good dude. Huh? You know this guy? Yeah. Yeah, I know him. Uh, he's a good dude. Really good dude. How this good dude ended up befriending a piece of shit like this, I don't know. But Kalapoa is actually a really, he's a really good dude. And uh, I've actually got his phone number here, and we can add a... Uh, if you're interested, I can I can kind of three way him here, and uh, and we can we can talk to him. I'll I'll talk to him a little bit, and you can listen in. Maybe we can learn something if you want. Yeah, you know, let's uh, let's finish this phone call off with uh, let's have a three way with John at the end here. All right, let's do it. Uh, and I, after this, I got I got shit. I got I got to mow the yard, so I got to get out of here. But after this phone call with uh, with John Kalapua here, I'm gonna bounce. Okay, well. Thanks for telling me about this story and yeah, let's get it. Let's let's talk to John. Alright. It's been nice talking to you, Op. This was weird, but uh it's been fun. Alright, well um yeah, cool. Alright, well I'll talk I'll I'll call you tomorrow too. Okay, that sounds good. I'll yeah. talk to you tomorrow. Alright, hugs. What? What?
Hey, what's up, John? Gus here. Hey, how you doing? Good, how you doing? All right, man. You got a minute to talk to us? Sure do. All right, cool. So, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen the documentaries, I've, I've read the books, and uh, in your opinion, uh, well, first off, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. Let, let's, let's explain to everybody what's going on here. You, you knew John growing up, correct? And uh, and how old how old was he? Do you think? Uh, and how old were you when you guys met? He was early twenties. I was uh, late. We were late teens, eighteen, nineteen. All right, and that was somewhere in there. And how did you guys meet? He lived in the basement. Uh, him and his wife, Lorena, lived in the basement of uh, my friend's parents' house. <clears throat> oh wow! And and John was probably trying his best to to get Lorena out of that situation, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and what did you what did you and John do? You know, for fun when you guys went out and hung out or, or whatever. So he had access to the um, to the military basketball courts um, and gym and stuff like that. So they had the premier equipment uh, at that location. So of course, you know, we had the free end. So that's where we would go. We'd uh, use his military bath to get in and use use the facilities. Yeah, and that was at uh, Quantico, wasn't it? Yep. Uh and John was in the, and so you grew up outside of a Marine Corps base. Correct. The town that we're, the town that we're located in uh, was Stafford County, which is pretty much a uh, military town. Right. And, uh, and when was the, when was the last time that you talked to John? Uh, honestly, it was uh, a little before the incident uh, took place, before uh, she did whatever she did to him. Um, and I didn't even know that it was them. I, I received a court order in the mail. Excuse me. Um, I received a court order in the mail and um, didn't know what it was about until I called um, a friend of mine and kind of started talking to the one that they lived with, actually. And he, he's the one that kind of put me up on it. He's like, oh, yeah. You know, um, he didn't know that, you know, because it had been in the news, you know, lady cutting off the dude's. Right, yeah. Um, it was the I, biggest court case in history at that point. Exactly. So I didn't know until I you know, I told my friend that I had gotten a subpoena in court um, for them. And then, when, you know, that's when he notified me, like, yeah, that, that whole story you're hearing about, that's them. So I didn't know. And you, you were probably like me when you found out what happened. Like, nothing that John did. He sure, he certainly didn't deserve to have his, have his dick cut off. Yeah, un- injustice. That he didn't deserve that at all. I I agree. Um, <laughs> so you don't believe he deserved it? No, 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 no. Uh, you know, just nothing, nothing, nothing warrants a man getting his getting his dick cut off, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, I, I wouldn't want it done to me, but I wouldn't do the things that he did to deserve it. So. Well, yeah. I don't know. See, like, seems a bit overkill, though, don't it? Like. If somebody, if if somebody, somebody hits you with a spitwad, you don't shoot them with a with a rifle, right? I mean, just. Well, I don't. I don't know if you saw the documentary, but it didn't seem like it was that 
Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: Did uh, did you see any? Did you personally see any uh, any signs of abuse um, from between John and Lorena? And did you ever meet Lorena? Well, you got to do what you got to do to, to you know, keep them in line, right? You know what I mean, John? Keep, keep them in check, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, was, <laughs> was, uh, now, was John, now, did, did you primarily hang out with John because of, uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I was like that with some people, you know, I, if I got access to basketball courts and stuff on base, I would have been more likely to hang out with those people. So was it because John was such a likable guy or just because, um, you know, he could really kind of get you in, in more fun environments? Like, Well, he had access, like I said, he had access to all the premier, the premier, uh, uh, premier you know, premier basketball courts and, and gym and stuff like that. Um, as far as his personality, um, he was, you know, he had his little quirks in hindsight. Now that I'm older and you kind of, kind of look into perspective, some of the things that he did and said, um, yeah, he was a little bit of a weirdo. Weirdo. And, and, and what would be some examples of that? Um, so he would take, turn the treadmill up to the highest speed and run as fast as he could and, make this huffing and puffing, um, veins puffing out of his head, that uh, he would take a basketball and um, slam it on the ground as hard as he could, like if he was trying to pick the basketball. Uh, so he kind of liked attention. That seems kind of like uh, he was doing that stuff for to get eyes on him, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that uh, that was even more obvious as, as you know, after the trial, which I'm you're more than aware, his... Uh, his desire to be in, in the media at any chance he could get. So that's oh, just, yeah. I mean, you figure, I, I don't know about you, but if, you know, if I'm, if my, my, uh, dick's been cut off, I don't know that I'm going to try to get in the porn industry. No, no, no. <laughs> and he, I believe he said that he did that, uh, to, to prove to the world that it still worked, but. Right. And then I, I, I which I found out in the documentary that he even had, like, was trying to get it modified. Yeah. He got a surgery, uh, uh, some kind of growth surgery on it where they they inject it, but I guess it yeah, just made it. Trying to put hydraulics on it or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a like a seventy eight cutlass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had a little rider now, did uh, did you and John ever ever argue yourselves? Did you ever get into any any spats? Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, when you, as a young, cause you were, uh, you were, was it 17 when you had to get on the witness stand during the trial? Now, were you ever hanging out with John and as well as John Winchester at the same time? No, 
when he lived in Manassas, right? Oh, okay. Uh, I, I can't remember. I'd have to go back and, and read my notes and everything. Yeah, no, generally, generally, John was kind of like the, the early 20 guy, 20-year-old guy that was trying to impress the young, the young guys. Okay. Yeah, we all know guys like that. Um, my two, my two best friends are actually sixteen. So, um. <laughs> really, what do you guys do for fun? Uh we we get on base. I, I was kidding. I was kidding. <laughs> uh, um, and and as a seventeen year old or nineteen year old, how stressful how stressful was the witness stand? You know, you're you're, you're going as a young guy. You're you're getting ready to get on the witness stand in the most televised. Uh, maybe famous court case in the history of the of the United States that had to have been stressful. You know, you don't really realize what you're getting into until you're in it. And and uh, I'll, I'll liken the environment to if you ever watched Rocky movies uh, before the the big fight at the end of every movie, and you would see all the different languages that were being spoken. Yeah, uh, that was pretty much what it was like going in. So. When we went into the courtroom, they didn't have any clue that we were testifying. So we were able to kind of walk in unscathed without questions, et cetera. But I'll tell you that the whole world was there. The amount of cameras and microphones that were there um, was absolutely incredible. And once we got into the courtroom itself, you're talking a whole wall, again, of cameras and microphones and lighting that, I mean, yeah, it was. Unprecedented would probably be the word. I've never experienced anything like that in my life. And uh, how long after that? I'm, I imagine that that after the court case and everything calmed down, you you probably had a lot of news outlets and people approaching you for for a good amount of time after that, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So when we left, when we left the courtroom, they actually took us out the back so that we could avoid uh, the media, and we kind of got ushered off. And um, after that, I mean, we had calls from, I mean, you're talking Oprah, at that point, Sally Jester Raphael, Ricky Lake. Um, I mean, just at, at, during that point in time, any talk show that you can think of that was trending at that point, uh, we got calls from. And you probably... I'll you... You that, I'll, I can even tell you that uh, at that point, I got a dose of what a famous person would go, the kind of goes through. I was in Atlanta. Um, shortly after, and I was in a mall, and a crowd of people recognized who I was. That and that had to be awesome at 19 years old, 18 years old. Yeah, yeah actually, it was kind of nerve wracking because you're, you know you're out there just kind of minding your own business, and here's these people that you know they know exactly who you are. And how long how long was it total that you were up on the witness stand? Because we don't ever get an idea, you know, the way that they do documentaries and everything, it's chopped up. How, how long total do you think you were up there? Uh, I would say about 20, 20 to 30 minutes. God damn, I'd have been having anxiety attacks and, and panic attacks. and. Oh, yeah, because you got to think. So, you know, we're, we're on the side of, uh, well, in my opinion, the victim. But, you know, she's actually the... the the defendant at that point. Um, so the prosecutor is is looking at trying to get you. So some of the questions, some of the questions being asked, and um, uh, and the way that he approached you was almost like threatening. Yeah, yeah. You know, so trying to tell you that you're lying. You know, when you know exactly what you're trying to say. And then to go through all that and there not be any justice at all 
on on behalf of John and Lorena got to walk away free uh, was just absolutely infuriating. It was just for 45 days, though, John. For 40... well, I mean, you know, the timeless is about as short as a penis. And, Bob... <laughs> and, and, then little, and then Bobbitt had to walk around with a Franken dick for the rest of his life, and Lorena only had to serve 45 days. That, that's not justice. That's not justice. <laughs> I don't know. I guess in the eyes of the beholder, I guess, right? Whoever, whoever you would speak to. I wonder if he had two courts on each side. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning rods, <laughs> is it, and to, to your knowledge, does John does he uh, does is he still around Manassas? You know what? I'm, I'm not too sure. I think based on the uh, I think based on the documentary, he, he moved out of state. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I have to go back and look again, but I think yeah, you're right. I believe, I believe he moved out of state, and then he got caught beating somebody else. Yeah, his uh, actually a few people. He was also wrong, wrongfully. Wrongfully accused and convicted of that too. Uh, yeah, he just uh, he, he can't get away from these line women. I'm telling you. Yeah, I I feel I feel bad for him as as it doesn't sound like you do, but I I really feel bad for John Bobbitt. Yeah, I definitely don't feel bad for him. Well, I th- I thank you, John. I appreciate you uh, willing being willing to talk to me. <laughs> 